I took this position wanting to help make a difference and make that better, right? But it's tough. It's tough for us because um, until the community gets to know you, they don't trust you simply because you wear the uniform. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, how you doing today? This is Dale, host of the Black and Blue Podcast. Thank you for joining me here today. Um, I got somebody real special for you. Uh, you know, I'm down here in uh, Southern California, but uh, even more south to that is San Diego. So please help me welcome in a 30-year veteran of the San Diego Police Department, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Ben Kelso. How you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing good, brother. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So how are you guys dealing with everything on this craziness and COVID-19 down there in San Diego? You know, uh, it's been a tough couple of months here, just like it's been for everywhere else. Um, trying to keep people uh, away from areas where they congregate and, and potentially spread that, that COVID-19 has been hard, but we're making it work. Yeah. Are they starting to open things up like they are in some other counties? Yeah, they are. Just yesterday, some things started to open up and we started to relax our posture. Uh, hopefully people will, you know, abide by the governor's order and keep social distancing. But, you know, hey, people have been cooped up for a while. So yeah. there might be some non-compliance. You never know. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. And you guys got yeah. some beautiful, beautiful areas, beautiful beaches down there. It's hard to keep people away from them. So, you know, <laughs> not, a, not, I know. A, not an easy task, not an easy task. Not at all. Not uh, at all. Yeah. Especially being able to do it without, um, without, you know, making things worse on people. People are human. They want to get out. They, they, you know, it's, it was been tough. I know it's been tough for you because it's been tough for me to uh, have to stay at home the last three months. Right. You know. Yep. It is what it is. So, uh, you know, slowly we're getting there uh, as, as the weather starts to warm up. So we'll, we'll get yeah. there together. We'll get there together. So I mentioned you are a 30-year veteran of the San Diego Police Department. Uh, what, is, what is your assignment right now? Right now, I'm assigned to the San Diego's Office of Homeland Security. Um, I've been primarily working on this COVID-19 response for the city of San Diego. Okay. And uh, how's that been working out? Is it uh, a lot of a lot of work, a lot of uh, agency liaison and, and all that stuff going on? Quite a bit of that. Quite a bit of... Um, trying to make sure we have the things we need in order to respond appropriately um, to this pandemic. Um, a lot of flying by the seat of our pants sometimes I think too, right? Because, you know, this is new for at least for us in this generation, this is new. Right, right. Definitely, definitely. And uh, are you from San Diego? You originally from down there? No, I'm originally from uh, Flint, went to high school in Detroit, Michigan. Oh, wow. uh, and just kind of found myself out here in the late 80s and um, 
I was uh, out here to try to play basketball at a community college, got injured. And uh, while I was taking some classes, law enforcement, you know, came up in a, a survey sort of class, an assessment class of what you might be good at. And um, I didn't think that it would be something I would do. I never thought I ever wanted to be a police officer. But as I look back, there were some key police officers uh, in my life that um, when I started thinking about it, they kind of inspired me. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so you, you finally went through, uh, is uh, San Diego the place you've been the whole 30? The whole 30, yeah. I went through the academy in 1990. Okay. Well, kind of dating yourself there. You don't look a day over over 40. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I shaved all the white yeah. off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, brother. I know. I know how that is. I know how that is. All right. Uh, so what what uh, what uh, other assignments have you done in your long tenured career? You know, I've, I've had a lot of great assignments. Um, I worked specialized assignments early on in my career with uh, Operation Weedency, which is a federal grant program, uh, neighborhood policing. Uh, I worked there in school safety patrol. That was very rewarding. Uh, I worked the academy. I've worked uh, the gang units, um, worked investigations, right? And uh, domestic violence was uh, one of the key assignments I had in working investigations, worked internal affairs as well. And uh, once I became management, then, uh, you know, you go back into the cycle of one area stations. And that's where I am right now. Right, right. So for, uh, you know, for our listeners and our viewers, you know, we all know San Diego is a, a beautiful city. We all, you know, like to go there from time to time. How large is the city uh, as far as the population? You know, um, San Diego has a population of uh, a little over two million people. Uh, San Diego County in general, it's very close. You can get from one end of the county to the other in an hour, which is kind of different than L.A. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't think you can get from, you know, uh, uh, South L.A. to downtown in less than an hour, depending. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> so, is true. This is true. Yeah. 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 And then um, uh, and then how large is, is the PD as far as uh, personnel? Um, the PD is just in their 2000. Uh, police officers. Uh, we cover the city in, in nine different police divisions and a traffic division. All right, and um, you know we get it done. We, we're still not where we need to be. Um, we have been for a while trying to get our numbers up to lower that ratio of officers per citizen. All right, and um, you know law enforcement in general is is really experiencing a lot of losses personnel-wise. People just aren't as interested in it as they were in the past. So yeah, yeah. we're still working on that. Yeah, because back in the in the 90s or so, you know, there were lines around the block to, to just test. And then now, right. yeah, and that's not so much anymore. So yeah, it's something we got to work at. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. so uh, you guys are, you know, obviously close to a, a foreign country you know you got a border there how's the relationship between the city and in mexico you know uh, over the past 30 years it has been up and down all right kind of depends on who's in leadership uh locally but also nationally who's in our leadership to impact that relationship um the mayor of san diego and the mayor of tijuana uh, in particular work very well together you have to it's the border city Yep. Uh, people from Mexico are coming both ways. Coming up, we have people going down, and you know, 
you got to get along in order to make that work. Yeah. You know, but sometimes the the national outlook with our our leadership can impact that and and cause some friction. But we still do everything we can to make it work here. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, uh, like I mentioned uh, off camera, I used to work for the Border Patrol years ago. I was up here, you know, closer to to the L.A. area, but I would go down there to San Diego to work from time to time. And, uh, you know, I like being down there. And, and like I said, the, the relationship, you would think it wouldn't be a good relationship. But for the most part, the relationship between uh, the Border Patrol and the officers on the other side was was a good working relationship. They they helped out the Border Patrol a lot. You know, you, you wouldn't think they would, but uh, at least the tactical guys did. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that, that, was, that was a good experience. Good experience. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you said you, you found yourself out here trying to play basketball. Uh, and then you decided, you know, after you got hurt that you would go to college and then you found your way into law enforcement. Um, did you ever go back to playing basketball after that or? Uh, in the rec league, not a PD team. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know, played in police Olympics and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. What's, uh, but, what's your uh, position? I was a, a small forward. Okay. I was usually a two or a three, playing a wing. You know, I, I, obviously, I, you know, the years of uh, <laughs> patrol work and carne asada has has changed my physique. <laughs> you say carne but, asada. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say Charles Barkley, but <laughs> when you yeah. say power forward, you know, small forward. How tall are yeah. you? Six four. Okay. Okay. Uh, that, that's not tall enough. Well, I guess Barkley is about that that height, but you know he's got he's un- unprecedented skills at that position. You know, uh, yeah. to be to be so small, well, six four isn't small, but in that position it is. So yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah. And uh, is the rest of the family still in Detroit, or did they follow you out here? Or? Um, a couple of my brothers did follow me out here, but the rest of the family is still back there, back in Detroit. We had a, a big basketball family in Detroit. Okay. Do you get back often or? I try to get back there at least twice a year. That's been my goal. I wasn't always that way. As I was working my way up um, through my career, I couldn't afford to take my family back there. But here I'm on the, the pinnacle. Right. right? So uh, I have a little bit better resources. So I try to take my family back twice a year. Yeah, Detroit's gone through some train some changes too that, you know, uh, over the years How, how's detroit shaping out you know when general motors declined um and it wasn't just detroit uh, i think the the whole state of michigan and primarily at midwest uh in indiana in michigan in ohio in illinois all those areas all fed off of our automotive industry right and um as things changed over the years and those jobs started to move on to other countries, those areas all declined and they've had to reinvent themselves. So um, Detroit and Flint in particular, I don't know if you saw Flint Town. Did you ever see Flint Town? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, Detroit was the, the heart um, being that the the offices were there, right? The executive offices there. But Flint really was the pulse. Flint okay. drove that automotive industry just being 60 miles um, from Detroit and that area has not recovered yet from the loss yeah that's crazy it's terrible yeah I got some family that uh, was there for a while in Michigan and uh, they've since moved on but yeah I'm I'm originally from Ohio so we're we're, we're rivals (laughs) 
We ride there you Ohio, go. Ohio State and, and that other team. Uh, uh, from, I was yeah. hoping you was going to say Toledo or something <laughs> like that. But you know. No, Columbus. Right. Columbus. So, yeah. Columbus. Yeah. yeah. All right. One of these days, your boy uh, Jim Harbaugh will, you know. I used to love him when he was out here at uh, in Frisco. But uh, when yeah. He, yeah, but since he's yeah, no, we won't talk about that <laughs> anymore. Yeah, that, that, that's a long conversation. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, but I will see you that last Saturday in November, and I'll be all about it. Okay, all right, all right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> every dog has his day, I guess. But you know, we'll we'll that's see if right, it happens this year. Right. See if it happens this year. So you I get, know, yeah. So you got a uh, you got family out here. You married? Got kids? Yep, yep. Got five kids. Um, you know, we are. We we have basically um, moved back into uh, the community here, all right, trying to uh, make an impact, make a difference. And, uh, you know, it's been tough, though. I'm telling you, it, it, it's tough trying to maintain a family and work and all these things. But, you know, we do what we can to, to get through. Yeah, definitely, definitely. How your kids feel about, uh, you know, dad being a cop? You know, they don't talk about it too much. Um, they don't. Uh, we've gone through a lot of interesting times. Of, you know, I have not always been the same person. You know, obviously we adjust, we change. When I was, a, a, as a patrol officer, you know, your, your mind is always, you know, safety first. And, you know, you're out there trying to do the job. And uh, I've had to learn to adjust and, and kind of reinvent myself um, as I furthered along in this career. And one of the things that was really important to do is to learn to be present learn to be present with the family because you know when you're on patrol man all you're focused on is 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 patrol you know and your safety and what's going on out there and you know you want to be a part of that and you see a lot of things that you shouldn't have seen right that, that if mm-hmm. you could go back you wish you'd have never seen it and you can't bring that home right and then they wonder what's wrong with you and like oh, I don't want to tell you what I saw today you don't want to know what I saw today I have the images I don't want you to have yeah yeah that's crazy yeah that 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 is the life that is the life um, oh yeah yeah and in particular how, how's the, the the family back home or you know mom and and siblings and cousins how, how do they feel about you being a cop particularly in the well, beginning in the beginning, you know, hey, you lose friends. You know that, right? You lose family members. People don't want to talk to you. They keep their distance from you um, at family gatherings, some of them. Because uh, in areas where we come from, um, it, it's, it's not always celebrated to be a police officer. In fact, the opposite usually takes place, right? So uh, you have to learn to adjust to that. That's just part of the job, all right? Um, I go back now, see my cousins. Hey, I know what they do. They know what I do. We see each other at the at the family reunion. Hey, what's up, cousin? And then I go my way. They go <laughs> their way. You know yeah, how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately. Fortunately, I don't have any family members in my extended family that are you know on the other side of the tracks. Um, but you know, I have a lot of family members that weren't so so hip, so nice to me being a cop, and we have healthy you know healthy debates. Uh, you know, but right. we still hug it out at the family reunions whenever we see each other, hug it out. And now on Facebook, you know, we still have healthy debates. And, you know, I agree with some things and other things I don't agree with them with. And uh, right. yeah, I think that's good. And, you know, families and friends and all that to have uh, people that don't actually think the way you do all the time. So you can get, you know, different perspectives. 
true. That, that's a, a good point. And th- that's the funny thing about technology and social media is some about now I, I can actually stay connected to them at a distance. <laughs> at right? a distance, yeah. <laughs> at a distance. Know what's going on in their life, what they want to show anyway. And they get to see what's going on in my life, right? Um, but we don't have to put ourselves in situations where there could be conflict, right? right? Based on what I do or what they do. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, and uh, you know, you're African African American male in particular. How's uh, how's you, your experience been being a police officer uh, down in San Diego and being an African American male? You know, um, I, I chose the the area that I wanted to work. Remember, I, I came from Flint and Detroit. You know, hey, I was a poor kid growing up. I, I know what was going on. I I wanted to make a difference in communities like the community I grew up in. So I gravitated towards a division that was uh, made up much like what my home was was made up like, all right? Um, I've seen a lot of things. It's been a a, a very interesting ride, um, uh, finding out firsthand uh, what, what it's like to police in communities of color and um, also find out what it's like for communities to receive that policing. And um, I decided I wanted to be a difference maker, a channel between the community and the police, you know, a person that can can work through situations because my parents didn't want me to be a police officer based on where I came from, Okay. right? Um, so I understand that dynamic that these communities of color feel towards the police and, and I took this position wanting to help make a difference and make that better, right? But it's tough. It's tough for us because um, until the community gets to know you, they don't trust you simply because you wear the uniform. Right. And there's some people that are never going to trust you even though you wear the uniform. But the flip side of that is if you are seen as being too close to the community, then your peers in the station don't trust you either. Hmm. So so it's a a fine line, a tough call. And you learn to navigate it, all right? But um, over time, uh, you make your reputation on doing the right thing, all right? Uh, both ways in both groups and people that that are open to seeing how things really are they see that oh man it's helpful it's helpful to have somebody that can relate to this community especially when there's problems right you need diplomats diplomats solve wars not generals definitely definitely that's 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 real that's real and uh yeah how how long you been a lieutenant Uh, i've been a lieutenant for four years Okay, congratulations. I was a sergeant for 17 years. Oh, wow, 17. So you yeah. had, a, had a lot on those stripes. Yeah, I, I got to be the senior sergeant, you know. Okay, okay. So that, that, that made a difference. Yeah, yeah. And do you guys have uh, a step in between officer and sergeant, corporals? Uh, we do. Okay. And we have detectives also, right? So um, the detective and, and the corporal rank are similar in that regard. Yeah, my agency uh, too, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was getting at, um, you know, you being a lieutenant, uh, w- what are the prospects or, you know, what are the actual numbers uh, that you can think of of African Americans in, in management at San Diego PD? That's a challenge. Um, we're working on it. It goes up and down. Um, 
right now we have uh, two African-American lieutenants, all right? But we do also have three African-American captains and and uh, two African-American assistant chiefs. So we have learned, we've grown, we've expanded for a long time. It, it In my career, it took, I think, up to the first five years before I finally saw an assistant chief African-American assistant chief and she was the first of everything first captain so on and so forth mm-hmm. yeah. so we've, we've grown there but it's still a work in progress we have two lieutenants right now and I would assume there's you know other minorities in the ranks as too you know, you've got you know uh, Asians and Latinos and LGBTQs and and all that uh, what, what do you think the numbers oh, not specific numbers but uh, actual Middle Easterners uh, you know, you guys are a large, diverse uh, department. Have, have you seen middle, a lot of Middle Easterners wanting to become uh, police officers in San Diego? You know, um, we have had some over the time, but that number has continued to, to be small, and those positions are difficult to fill. Um, we need them, uh, but uh, as far as diversity goes, it, reaching that demographic has been difficult. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, looking at uh, NYPD and they've, you know, they've got a, a large uh, number of Middle Easterners and, and Indians on their department. But, you know, they're like 30 something strong. So 30,000 strong. So uh, they, they've got a whole <laughs> they've got everybody in their department. So uh, New York is, is, is a lot larger than the rest of us. So what, what do you like to do when you're not working? Well, uh, obviously, I'm a football basketball enthusiast I spent some time as a high school football coach in my career that was very rewarding so I really like to watch sports basketball football I uh, like everybody else I've been watching the last dance I don't know if you got a chance to see that with Michael Jordan oh yeah oh yeah right so that that debate between Michael Jordan and LeBron I mean seems clear that LeBron is not Michael Jordan but hey who knows by the end of his career maybe so Right, but yeah. he didn't have what Michael Jordan had. No, well he's well he's still playing, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, I hear debates that you know Michael never won without Scotty, and wherever LeBron goes, he he makes them those teams better. So you know you also got that. Yeah, you know, so that's a good point. He does. Yeah, he does. So all right, so. yeah, and uh, you know I was going to ask you about uh, you know professional clubs and and organizations that you're a part of i know you're a part of a an association down there in san diego why don't you tell the the viewers what that's about well uh i'm the president of the san diego black police officers association um this is an association that was founded in 1974 as the um the uh basically minority officers association african american officers association uh and we eventually over time changed our name to black you know, we've had that debate. Are we African-Americans? Are we black? What are we? You know, at some point, uh, members decided to change and take the name black. There's nothing wrong with the name black. Um, but uh, anyway, the organization really works to to be a conduit um, between the community and the police department. Uh, we want to make sure that we're, we're guardians out there. And uh, we look at law enforcement in terms of... Um, how we do things and uh you know we're not so much a watchdog even though people think we're supposed to be a watchdog uh over the department that's not what we're here for um we are here to try to help the community make things better 
do we get involved in situations where um, maybe law enforcement action has has um, created controversy within the community? Yeah, we do. Um, we we not so much from uh, being that watchdog, being in the chief's office, and being someone that that is there to create tension. But we try to dialogue these things out. We speak the same language, you know. Law enforcement, uh, you speak the language of the agency, right? You understand it well, but the community speaks different language. And sometimes they don't, they don't translate well, right? Right? Remember Sanford and Son? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Remember, remember the two officers? Right? <laughs> yeah, remember yeah, they Yeah. Uh-huh. One officer speaks a language, right? And he, when he starts talking, he talks in codes and things, you know, very formalized. And then everybody looks at the partner officer. And he, he breaks it down for them, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's simple, plain English, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that they understand. And they're like, oh, I get it. That's kind of what we do, right? Um, you know, we ask questions about diversity, right, and how we're doing um, in terms of how we're relating to communities of color. And uh, when we, you know, offer suggestions, offer insight, we don't run the department. The chief is in charge of the department, right? But sometimes that that translation needs to go forward to administration just like it needs to go out to the community because administration sometimes doesn't understand all the dynamics of it right and how it works so that's what we've been doing for over 40 years and uh, i've been the president for uh, a little over 10 um i'm also a member of uh phi beta sigma fraternity incorporated right brotherhood scholarship service okay all right all right all right (laughs) Wanted to throw that out there, shameless yeah, plug. Yeah, Where, where'd Little you mile. where'd you finish up school at? Uh, I went to Fort Hayes State. Okay, Fort Hayes State University. Where's that? That's in uh, Western Kansas. Nice, nice. Okay, all right. And uh, going back to the uh, the association, how, how's your relationship with the with the major association, the Police Officer Association, uh, as a as a as a whole? Um. We have developed a, a strong relationship. Uh, originally, when organizations like B2A come out, there's a lot of a lot of tension, a lot of friction. Um, people start saying, just the name black itself implies things to people. People start saying, oh, if we had a white police officer association, you'd think it was racist, right? And uh, my reply to that is, well, actually, you do have a white police officer association, and no, we don't think it's racist. Right. Yeah. And our organization just and we have organizations that represent all the demographics. We have uh, organizations that represent the LGBTQ uh, demographic, the Latino demographic, the uh, Asian and, and uh, Pacific Islander demographic, the Latino, you know, all of those organizations all operate and coexist and they all have a purpose. And uh, for the about the last you know, decade or so, we have all gotten along very well and worked very well together, even with the main police officers association, which is the union. Our organizations are not unions. We're called employee resource groups. And uh, we all work together to try to solve problems and make things better for everyone. Got it. Got it. Going back to, you know, well, not going back to because we're both black here. Uh, what, what changes have you seen uh, towards African-Americans in the community, in the, the police, in the department since you've been on? You know, um, I, I will say, I mean, you know, just to be candid, um, 
there are times when law enforcement has taken action that um, was very traumatic to the community and things still happen that are very traumatic to uh, especially communities of color and the black community in general. We're very, very reactionary and responsive to things that happen. It can happen somewhere else and a, a tragedy or something that looks bad or appears bad or actually is bad, um, even though it didn't happen in San Diego, it will impact law enforcement here in San Diego, yep. right? Um, the onset of the, the cellular phone and the camera and uh, people have been saying that there have been abuses uh, of law enforcement in communities, especially in communities of color for decades, but you didn't see it. And as long as you didn't see it, people always felt like it didn't happen. Well, now with the camera, you see that it does happen, right? So that has really um, changed the game, so to speak. And what's funny is, is even with a camera sometimes, um, showing you what happened, right? It still isn't clear cut on right and wrong and who's at fault and, you know, that sort of thing. Right, right. right. Because a lot of this is nuanced. Um, there are things that you can't see on camera yeah. that when, happen. When did the recording start? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the angles of it, so on and so forth. And and even though a camera's sitting right here in the middle of your chest, it doesn't see what your eyes see. Right. Right. So people make snap judgments based on that 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 thirty second clip, all right, on whether or not an action was right, wrong, whatever, and without having the benefit of, of having the full complete story. The camera still doesn't give you the full complete story. So dealing with that and the fallout from that um, has changed things. Uh, it's been helpful in a lot of ways too, though. Um, when I worked internal affairs in particular, uh, people will file a complaint about uh, a certain action an officer took and I bring them in and sh well, here it is right here on the camera. And usually you find out that uh, the, the complainant, right, who hadn't seen themselves and what they looked like and mm -hmm. how they were responding, they say, oh, man, I'm like, okay, you want to go forward like this? You want people going to see the way you were behaving. Right, right. right? And most times they don't want to complain anymore. It really does clear up a lot of stuff. I work a lot with community activists, right, because somebody's got to talk to them. Somebody's got to talk. They're not going away. Right. And I live in the community. Right. So even when I'm not working, I'm going to see that person at the grocery store, at the Walmart, at the whatever. Yeah. So it behooves me to maintain that relationship with them. Right. So, you know, and community activists, they, they have their place. Um, I actually respect what they do. Right. Because they're out there trying to make a difference, um, trying to change um, things for the better. Right. They don't always um, see things in the way I do, but at least because we have that respect, that relationship, we can share perspectives and they respect my views and I respect theirs. And we continue on because neither one of us is going away, right? right? Other officers may change, leave, move. I'm not going anywhere. Nope. Right? So um, technology has really made a difference. Um, I think it's made a difference for the better, but it's not the come all at the end all. Yeah, yeah. How long has uh, San Diego been wearing body cams? Uh, I think we picked up body cams in 2015. Okay, so you know, about five right. years. So, how how was the reaction when it first? Uh, I'm sure I'm sure there was a bunch of pushback at first. 
Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Um, wasn't received very well. All right. And uh, over time, it's taken some adjustments. I think the new people that come in, they start out getting them day one of the academy, right? Get used to wearing them. Um, but it's still, like I said, technology still has its shortcomings, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a, like you said, you know, when it being, you know, in the middle of your chest, you know, there's some angles that you can't see. Um, sometimes when you're drawn down on something, on someone, you know, you're blocking the, the view of the camera right there too. So exactly, you know. So exactly. I know they they've tried to, you know, do you know like glasses, but not everyone wants to wear the glasses. Um, you know, I've got a GoPro where I put it, you know, sometimes on my hat, but you know, not everyone you know, want to wear a big camera on the top of your head. Yeah, so yeah. you know, so you know, it, 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 there's some challenges too. So I mean, it oh is yeah, what it is. I I think learning too, um, because you know, we got to also find that happy medium. Uh, right now, the, the policy of our department is to uh, engage the camera while you're en route to an enforcement call so that, you know, it can pick up everything leading up so that you don't capture anything. But um, there are, are folks who would advocate that the police officer's camera's got to be on all the time. And, you know, imagine that. It's got to be on when you go to the bathroom no, and when you eat no, lunch no, no. and when people walking up to talk to you. I mean, yeah. You know, it's like living in a bubble. Yeah. So we we got to try to find where that median that medium is that makes everybody happy. Right now, turning it on while you're headed to a call is is seems to be reasonable. Um, and then there's going to be things that just you know you know that are planned for just happen in an instant. You run, you walk into something that's going on, yep. and now you're trying to engage, and you can't get the camera on. Um, motorcycle officer is a perfect example. Motorcycle officers were going downtown, takes two hands to operate their motorcycle. They run into a man with a gun in the street, pointing a gun at him. They got to stop their bikes and draw their weapons to deal with them. They right. get it time to turn their cameras on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's reasonable. Yep. Yep. Maybe, I guess, maybe putting one on the bike would be uh, yeah, a good option. Yeah. That could be, yeah, that could be an option, putting one on the bike. Sort right. of dash cam or something. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, going back to the police department uh, in general, is there uh, some sort of mentorship program? Um, do you guys at the at the POA, the BPOA, uh, kind of mentor officers of color uh, towards advancing in the ranks? That's always one of our goals to try to, uh, you know, kind of assist our own and work with them and help them grow and develop with the department. But it's tough. Um, we've, we've been particularly challenged with black women. Um, we've, we've only had two black women in the history of our police department advance beyond the rank of sergeant. Uh, one was a lieutenant, retired as a lieutenant, the other retired as assistant chief. Um, and unfortunately, when we don't have that perspective in management levels at the police department and down, uh, it, it, it changes how things are. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's been a struggle to try to recruit black women into law enforcement, and it's even a bigger struggle to get them through all levels of the department. Right. Uh, and I've tried to make that something that I worked on in my tenure as the president, and I continue to try to work on it. Um, but I'm going to need more help. All right. It's always a work in progress. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, what's one of the uh, more rewarding parts? of your job of your career over there at San Diego PD? 
You know, um, I think the most rewarding part that I have is is being able to actually walk in the community and be respected, right? Um, be thought out. Uh, people come to me, they, they trust me. Um, what's funny is to hear uh, calls from other officers when they're out in the field and something goes wrong, people mention my name, hey, call me, we want this person. Bring this person here. That's, that validates my career. That makes me feel like I've made a difference and that's what I set out to do when I came here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's good, that's good. What about what's one of the uh, more challenging parts of your job? Well, uh, just like I said, what's, it's, it's almost like a double-edged uh, sword here. What's the most rewarding thing can also be one of the challenges too, uh-huh. right? Like I said, the more you work with the community, the more sometimes you can be seen internally as being divisive or being non-supportive. Um, and I don't look at it that way. Um, you know, we don't operate in a vacuum. We all don't have the same mindsets. We all don't believe things the same way. And sometimes uh, there can be a crossroad where you have to choose between the community and the agency, right? Well, I still work for the agency, right? And in order for me to be effective, I have to continue to work for the agency. So there'll be times if, if administration makes a decision, you have to, you know, I have to go back to the community and basically either sell that decision or say, hey, that's a decision that's made and there's nothing that, that can be done about it, right? Right, right. Um, but what I can't be, what I can't do is, is be out in the community, you know, and running the agency down and running the agency's administration down. That doesn't help me either. So it, it's really a, a, a tough rope to walk because sometimes people will be of the opinion that uh, when it goes bad, who you with? Right, mm-hmm. so I'm 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 with doing the right thing, whatever the right thing is. Right, sometimes the community is not right about how they're viewing it. There's more to it. They need to have it explained to them. Right, until they understand. Right, they don't have to agree with it, but at least they understand how it went. Yeah. And then there's times where the agency might misstep, and we have to work internally to see that those things don't don't happen again. They're, sometimes they're really simple. They're really simple things like, oh, you're investigating a homicide, right? Um, and, uh, you know, the investigation goes into the morning and, you know, the body's laying, you know, there on the sidewalk where kids can walk around it and see it, right? Well, you know, that's a simple yeah. thing. Even yeah. though procedurally, hey, you can't move it. It's evidence. Don't cover it. What? No. Come on. We got to think beyond that, right? Right. It traumatizes children to, to walk past a dead body. Right. So why yeah. can't we just cover it? Yeah, just cover it. Uh, canopy, you know. Yeah. Something. It's real yeah. simple. Yeah. Yeah, real simple. Yeah. You know, making sure we do the job and we respect people, we value people. That was a value-based uh, decision, and of course, administration immediately. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Yes, let's cover it. Let's take care of it because we don't need to fight those kind of battles. Right. You know. Right. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So, uh, you know, 30 years in, 30 years in at the San Diego PD, uh, what, what's life hold for you in the future, say in the next five years or so? Well, uh, I will be here at least five years unless something changes. Uh, that's my plan to uh, finish out my career here. I don't know that um, once I wrap up my career in law enforcement, I don't know what the next step is going to be. I currently teach at the University of San Diego 
All right, so I, I teach classes there. Um, I do enjoy teaching at the collegiate level. Uh, I hope to continue to do that as well. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe if there's a position in a small agency and executive leadership, uh, something a lot smaller than a, a San Diego PD or a major <laughs> metropolitan department, because you know those come with a lot of headaches. You know, over over half the police departments in the United States have less than than 50 employees. So right, right. maybe one of those has got my name on it as as chief. Who knows? There you go. There you go. I mean, you got some, you got some university police departments down there, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What what do you teach at uh, USD? Uh, USD has a law enforcement and public safety leadership master's of science program. So uh, I've been teaching that for five years. There's five classes I teach. I teach budget and finance. Um, I teach a a community relations, community engagement sort of class. All right, which is, has been really rewarding to, and I think you've seen our um, BPOA social media, mm-hmm. all right, um, our Instagram page, so on and so forth. That's about humanizing, you know, the badge, right? Um, seeing officers as people, not the uniforms, right? Because they're really people. And um, trying to teach law enforcement that that is helpful to them and not harmful to them has been a challenge, but I've really enjoyed it. Most agencies are developing and they're coming along and you start to see every police department now has got an Instagram page yep. and a Facebook page and you know a Twitter page, ways to get out information, the ways to revamp their image, right? Because that's important. People need to see cops as people. Right, right. And on that note, I want to see you, you know, uh, you were talked about uh, all the pages uh, you know, develop a TikTok. I want to see you out there. You know, what's your moves doing some, <laughs> doing some of those dances <laughs> that young officers are doing nowadays. Oh, oh, I, I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm yeah. gonna try. I, I like seeing the the ones that officers are doing the Dougie. I like seeing that. Right? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. See, he knows. So we'll it. see. Yeah, you knew. You, we'll you knew that. Yeah. And, and some of them they doing. You know, uh, parents and kids. So, and, and then there's some right. officers I see that are out there with kids doing uh, doing dance moves with them, so. Yeah, what's funny is people are, officers, there are a lot of talented people. A lot of these officers are really showing their talent. Um, I worked juvenile for a lot of years, got an opportunity to work, work with kids, right? There's a lot of officers out there, right, that are doing those same things. So it's good to see. It really does show people that it's not all just about arrest, it's not all about just harassing people and writing tickets, right? Everybody that I know that comes into this job, and it doesn't matter what demographic they come from, they came into it because they wanted to help. They want to help people. Definitely, definitely. There's got to be that healthy, that healthy balance. Uh, we got to be out there in the community to help prevent crimes and, and uh, work with the community on that. But then when time comes to put in work, we got to be there to put in work and whatever that is, making arrest. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes that that involves uses of force. So uh, yep. you know we, yep. we gotta we gotta balance both of that. Balance both of that. Yeah, but but as long as whatever we do, uh, we remember to treat people with dignity and grace. Right, um, allow people to to have their dignity when they're. You know, I arrest people. I used to arrest people, take them to jail. But hey, it wasn't personal. Right. I'm not saying I'm a robot either, but it wasn't personal, bro. This is my job. And you did what you ever you did. 
staff to be put in handcuffs from being in the back of the seat. That's on you. That's not on me. I got to hold you accountable. But when I take him to jail, it's dignified. He gets out of the car saying, hey, I appreciate how you treated me. Right? Because it, it really wasn't personal. It's just my job. Right. You know? And it's a job that we have to protect the community, too. And the actions that you were taking were harmful to this community. Right? And, hey, you go to jail, you do your time. When you come back to the community, when I see you, to be, hey, what's up? Yep, yep, and we can we can you know start over. Yep, we and you we get a start over. Yep, we need to start over. All right, all right, sir. I appreciate you coming on today. Um, real good stuff. Uh, why don't you tell the people uh, how we can reach the RBP, uh, not the RB, the uh, San Diego BPOA uh, Instagram or whatever else you got on uh, social media. All right. Well, you can look us up on Twitter um, and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, it's uh, at San Diego BPOA on, on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook it's just the San Diego Black Police Officers Association look us up hey like our content make a comment definitely follow us like and follow us on, on all three platforms we appreciate alright and uh, we'll be looking for a TikTok soon from you alright alright <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna do one I'm gonna do one <laughs> I gotta wait to see what our administration thinks of us doing yeah, no, it first. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that but one. If so, I'll do it on my personal page. There you right? go. There you go. There you go, and then go from there. Yeah. All right. So before I let you go, uh, I got some things I like to do with my guests to light the mood here a little bit. Even though we've been pretty light here, I got a uh, lightning round. I want to do with you well some quick fire questions and answers okay uh okay. so yeah so let's do this i call this uh last night i saw a superhero he was black he said this is for the street black lightning's back so i call this my black lightning round black lightning round i'm just gonna fire some questions at you and you just fire back some answers all right pretty simple okay all right uh what restaurant are you taking someone from out of town to uh ruth chris Roots Chris, okay. Is that one of your favorites? That's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. I, lo- I love their steaks. Ooh, good stuff. Uh, would you rather take a traffic collision report in the rain or search the city dump for evidence in the middle of July? Ooh, traffic collision in the rain. I'm all about it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah. Which LA team would you rather have back in San Diego, the Chargers or the Clippers? Ooh. Tough call, um, but the Chargers coming back really would help the city, right? Um, and the city's very angry that they decided to leave. But uh, you don't realize that having an NFL franchise in your team, how it impacts the whole city financially, gave us something to do on Sundays. But yeah. oh well. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. You can have them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ever totaled a police car? No. Been in police equipment accidents. Never told of one. All right. Stevie Wonder or Marvin Gaye? Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye. All right. Oh, yeah. You still carry handcuffs? I do. All right. How long has it been since you last used them? Ooh. Four years or so. All right. Yeah. Because you're a lieutenant, so I had to throw that out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Favorite TV mom? Favorite TV mom? Ooh. Uh, how about uh, uh, Huxtable Mom? Claire Huxtable. I forgot. Claire Huxtable. Claire Huxtable. Claire Huxtable. Yes, uh, Cosby yeah. Show. All right, that's a good one. Uh, San Diego State or UC San Diego? San Diego State. San Diego State. Okay. 
Go ahead, Yeah. If you had to uh, go be a cop in another state, where would you go? Ooh, I've been looking at places back east in the Midwest, Missouri, Kansas, even Michigan. Okay, all right. Have you ever skydived before? No. Why would you want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Exactly. What about scuba dive? Have you ever scuba dived before? I've snorkeled. I haven't scuba dived. I want to, though. Okay, all right. And your last one here, uh, since you said uh, Marvin Gaye finished this line. Oh, I heard it through the grapevine. How much longer would you be mine? There it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That was fun. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, again, be safe out there in San Diego. I love the, I love the city. Um, hope to get down there real soon uh, once everything starts opening up a little bit more. And, uh, yeah, wear your mask, wash your hands, and uh, and we'll talk soon. All right, brother. It's been great. Thank you very much. You got it, sir. Be Take safe care. up there, too. Uh, we'll All do. Right. We'll do. All right, Square Pegs. That's it for this episode of the Black and Blue Podcast. I want to acknowledge that since this interview was originally recorded, Lieutenant Ben Kelso is now Captain Ben Kelso. So everybody, let's give it up to the captain for that. I really appreciate you for coming on and dropping some knowledge on us. Really, really appreciate it. And if you guys out there appreciate this sort of content that I'm dropping too, make sure you like and subscribe to the Black and Blue Podcast on the YouTube channel or whatever podcast platform you're hearing my sultry voice today. And make sure you check out Black and Blue Live. That's the live version of this show where I bring on panelists and guests and we discuss all sorts of topics. So make sure you check that out. I'm happy to announce that moving forward, my homegirl Lizzie Green, who's been on this show a few times, is going to be taking on co-hosting duties of the Black and Blue podcast with me. So I'm really excited about that. Be sure to check her out on that. I'll be back next week, though, with another entertaining and interesting episode of the Black and Blue podcast. But till then, y'all know what to do. Stay black and blue. I'll holler at you. Peace. Entertainment presentation.